0: If you're having conflict with wild animals in your fields, your feed storage, and even your home, there is help out there for you. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Wisconsin DNR's wildlife damage specialist Brad Cooley walks us through who to call when migratory birds or awake bears start becoming a nuisance. We start with the Wildlife Damage Abatement and Claims Program, which is available to farmers when wildlife decides to wreak havoc.
1: Yeah, so it's a DNR program that's administered through counties that voluntarily participate in the program. So currently, 70 counties participate. Uh, The only two that do not are Kenosha and Menominee counties. Otherwise, all all the other counties in the state participate in the program. The program itself was created in 1983 uh, by the state legislature. There's been some changes over the years, but, you know, the, the basic structure of the program remains the same. And and what the program does is it provides damage abatement assistance and then also partial compensation for damages, um, agricultural damages caused by deer, bear, elk, turkey, and geese. Uh, Cougar are on that list as well, but we've never had any damages confirmed by cougar. And then sandhill cranes will become part of the program once there's a hunting season established for sandhill cranes. So, So right now, you know, sandhill cranes are not part of the program, but they would be. You know, if there's a, a hunting season established, the program. You know, like I said, it covers commercial agricultural crops. It, you know, so your typical corn, soybeans, you know, alfalfa, that type of stuff. It also covers Christmas trees and orchards and and uh, tree nurseries, and then also stored stored feed as well. You know, so silage bags or, um, you know, round bales and stuff like that. You know, that are wrapped. So um, so it provides a um, you know, of, of coverage for a variety of, of crops. Um, all of this is in, in state statute. You know, so you can look there to to figure out it's state statute twenty nine point eight eight nine. So all this is listed there. So, so what happens typically is, in any time a producer has damages from one of those species I mentioned, uh, they contact the county, the county specialist. That county specialist does a site visit, verifies that damage is is from one of those eligible species, and then they enroll them in the program. Enrollment in the program is free. There's no cost to it. What happens is, for most of the species, um, the trade off is, is that public hunting access is required on the property to receive program assistance. So, the program itself is funded by a $2 okay. surcharge on each hunting license and then the sale of, of antlerless deer bonus tags. So the program is funded by hunters. So when the state legislature created it, the, the trade-off or the benefit to the hunters that are funding the program is that public hunting access is then provided to those those private properties where where damage is occurring.
0: And that's yep. why sandhill cranes, since they're not on the hunting list, they're they you can't hunt them. That's why they're not covered.
1: Correct. Yeah. At this point in time, right? Yeah. Once there's a hunting season established, you know, then then it would become part of the program. Yep.
0: So when is your big claims season? When I was first thinking about this, I was like, well, maybe it's the fall because that animals are tromping through the fields. But once you said it could also be animals getting into feed bags, that made me wonder maybe maybe winter or spring is a hot time.
1: Under administrative code, producers have to contact um, the county within 14 days of damage first occurring. So what that does is that alerts us that there's damage, you know, we verify it. But then that also gives us the opportunity to implement abatement and try to reduce the amount of damages that's occurring. So typically, most enrollments that you'll see, you know, are are probably, you know, that June-July time period when you have the corn, the soybeans, you know, the alfalfa is nice and green, you know. So when, when those crops are emerging, that's typically when we see the majority of, of people get in the program. But yeah, you know, enrollment can occur at any time of the year. You know, we do have people that, that are enrolling into the program as we speak because of damages to, to silage bags and, and, you know, pay bales and stuff that are wrapped, you know, so... At any point, you know, once once there's damage occurring, you know, people can enroll in a program and get assistance.
0: Hey, what should farmers be aware of this spring, though, when it comes to animal activity? Even though this abatement claims program is out there, it doesn't mean you necessarily want to be <laughs> in it, right? So what should folks be aware of and how to maybe prevent some of these issues from happening in the first place?
1: sure sure you know it's springtime it's very difficult you know because at at that point in time there's no hunting season's open you know there there's the options for addressing the damages are are pretty limited the thing to do is monitor your crops you know if you see deer damage getting excessive you know and and you know above your tolerance level then yeah be aware that this program's out there one of the the biggest abatements that, that we implement through this program is, is deer shooting permits, and what that does is that allows the producer, or they can have hunters or, or people assist them. But what it does is allow them to shoot deer out of the outside of the regular deer hunting season to reduce deer numbers and and obviously the damage that occurs. So be be aware that the program exists and, and there are options out there. You know if if the damages are getting intolerable and, and you need help.
0: Now we've been talking about crops, but livestock depredation, is that a separate program?
1: For livestock depredation, it is included under the Wildlife Damage Abatement and Claims Program. Um, Historically, that's only been, you know, for bear depredations. You know, fortunately, we don't have a lot of bear depredations. There's probably less than a half a dozen bear depredations reported every year. We do have a separate program for wolf depredations, you know, so that's separate from the Wildlife Damage Abatement and Claims Program, but we also do provide you know, damage prevention assistance and, and also compensation for, you know, wolf depredations as well.
0: What about coyotes?
1: Yeah, for coyotes, there there's no compensation program or abatement program. Um, for coyotes, state laws are a little more liberal, you know, um, under state law. The landowner, occupant of land can trap or shoot coyotes year-round, you know, that are causing damage. So the um, options for addressing coyote damage are a little more liberal than they are for, you know, deer or bear or, or turkey you know with those common species, those other species I just mentioned, people need authorization or, or approval from DNR to shoot those animals out of, out of season.
0: The reason I kind of got on that train was because I also read about the urban nuisance wildlife problem, but that covers just deer and geese?
1: Correct, yeah, we have the urban wildlife damage abatement and control grant program. Yep, that, that program only covers development of a management plan for deer or geese, or the implementation of a removal program for deer or geese. And it's um, only open to municipalities that meet the definition of urban area. And if municipalities that are interested in that, they can go to the DNR's website and, and see the list of municipalities that are approved for that grant.
0: Okay, so this isn't for any homeowner to call and complain about goose poo or anything like that, or a deer getting into your backyard?
1: Correct. Yeah, that, that urban grant program that's specific to municipalities, you know, so yeah, that uh, average homeowner, you know, isn't eligible for that grant program.
0: Is there anything out there for just, you know, if you're not production agriculture, you're not a municipality, but you have maybe a wildlife issue, who do you reach out to in that case?
1: Yeah, it depends on, on the species. So the DNR, we have a cooperative service agreement with USDA Wildlife Services. So they have staff stations throughout the state that specialize in, in wildlife conflict management. So we partner with them to provide assistance for um, any any bear conflicts that we have, you know, so, so they're available to, to assist with that. Uh, but then we also partner um, with them for a lot of migratory bird complaints as well. So geese, um, gulls are, are another common one. So they're available for that. But then if, uh, you know, a homeowners having problems with deer eating their ornamentals, you know, then that's handled through the DNR through our, our local wildlife biologist staff.
0: Wow. I'm sure you guys get maybe busy in the spring, especially when bears start getting into feeders and coming out of hibernation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, we direct all our, all our calls to wildlife services for a response, but Yeah, I mean, they they field anywhere from 700 to 1,000 calls on nuisance bear a year. Fortunately, the majority of those are resolved just providing advice to the homeowner. But the other part of that is, you know, there are, you know, several hundred bear every year that we do trap and relocate in response to those nuisance complaints. So, yeah, you know, people should be aware that there is help out there for, for bear complaints as well you know, for the average homeowner, as he indicated, right now is a time where clean up your bird feeders, put your bird feeders away if you can, or at least bring them in at night, wash your garbage cans, just do assessment of, of your home for any attractants for bear. Right now is a time we'll also start dealing with nesting um, goose issues, um, you know, where, where the geese can, can, you know, get aggressive, or every year there's cases where geese will nest right near building entrances and get aggressive and chase people and stuff, but Yeah, right, now is a good time to kind of prepare for that, remove any, you know, attractants that might be there to to resolve those issues and just know that help is available if if you need assistance.
0: When you talk about geese being aggressive, it makes me laugh, but honest to God, I never want to be the target of an angry goose.
1: (laughs) Well, angry geese, you know, we get a lot of reports about turkeys becoming aggressive, obviously spring mating season, so they're a little more territorial and aggressive sandhill cranes being aggressive and you know seeing their their reflection in, in the windows and pecking at windows and, and we've had you know in the past cases of turkeys seeing their reflection and on cars you know and, and pecking at the cars and stuff so Yeah, it's um, a whole variety of wildlife issues out there that, that we need to deal with.
0: That's Wisconsin DNR's Wildlife Damage Specialist Brad Cooley with some advice on how farmers, municipalities, and your average homeowner can handle wildlife conflicts this spring and beyond. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.